Amen. All right. Appreciate you guys being out tonight. Let's open the Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. And on Thursday nights, we've been kind of rotating the structure for our service. But I think for now, we're going to keep it in pretty much this structure for a little while until the Lord shows us otherwise. So we're going to have the lesson first and then take up some prayer requests. And then after we pray together, we'll all stay together tonight in the sanctuary and pray together. And then afterwards, we'll have a couple of requests for songs. And in Galatians 5, we're continuing our series here. We've been talking about faith and fruit. And take you through this passage tonight, Galatians 5, verses 16 down to 26. And certainly has a lot to say about this topic of faith and fruit and give us a a different perspective on it tonight. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and just ask for God's help as we open up the Word. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and we thank you for this privilege. And we just ask that you guide us tonight into all truth. Lord, no matter how many times we've looked at these verses, no matter how many times we've heard this explained, it never hurts to be reminded of it. And perhaps even some, some new truth can uh, sink in tonight. So Lord, guide us as we talk about this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Galatians 5 and verse number 16. I, I can see Brother Francois is fanning himself. It's a bit warm, isn't it? I'm sorry, guys. I, I purchased fans and the electrician is coming tomorrow to hang them. I'm sorry, but hopefully by Sunday we're going to have some fans on the walls and it'll be a bit cooler in here. So, all right. I appreciate you enduring the, the heat. This is the fiery trial of your faith. Amen. <laughs> Right, Galatians 5 and verse 16, Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right, now we're just going to pause there for a moment because we'll step through all of these verses momentarily, but walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So before we can even talk about walking in the Spirit... Walking in the Spirit is is some functionality, and I'm going to give you some synonyms in just a moment for other ways the Bible talks about walking in the Spirit. I want you to be able to identify it when you read through the New Testament. But before we get to walking in the Spirit, how do you receive the Holy Spirit to begin with? And this is going to start our conversation tonight with faith and fruit. Before we can ever talk about the fruit that comes from walking in the Spirit... We have to talk about receiving the Holy Spirit to begin with. So look at Galatians 3 and verse number 14. Galatians 3 verse 14. The Bible says here that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? How do you receive the promise of the Spirit? It's through faith. Do you see that? The moment you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, at that very moment, the Holy Spirit came into you. Receiving the Holy Spirit happens the moment you get saved. It is not a separate experience. You will find some that believe that you can receive Jesus without receiving the Holy Spirit. And then they'll try to encourage you or even provoke you, push you. You have to receive the Spirit. You have to pray. You have to have hands laid. You have to have all this extra stuff to receive the Spirit. That's not true. The moment you put faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. Now, does that guarantee that you're going to bring forth fruit? Does that guarantee the fruit of the Spirit will come forth in your life? And that's what we're going to look at tonight Just because you have faith does not automatically lead to fruit. Now, you should know this from last week's lesson. 
You remember, you have obtained like precious faith. What's the equation? Faith plus diligent addition equals fruit. Now you're going to learn a little more tonight about that diligent addition. You're going to see that's part of walking in the Spirit. All right? Now we're going to come back to Galatians in just a second, but flip over to Colossians chapter 2, if you would, please. Colossians 2 and verse number 6. Now, while you're finding Colossians 2, let's give you a little Bible exam here. I'm sure you guys know this one. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we walk by what? Faith and not by... All right, so we walk by faith. Right? Everybody with me there? Not a hard concept, at least not, not in the words of it. You understand the words of that. We walk by faith. That'll help you here. Colossians 2, verse 6. Paul says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How are we supposed to walk? Walk by faith. Then how do you receive him? You receive him by faith. Now, I want, I want you to see in this verse, there is a difference between receiving him and walking with him. Those are two separate things. The Bible distinguishes between that faith, and then you walk according to that faith, and eventually you will bring forth fruit. All right, so come back now to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 and verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now some people will try to overcome the flesh by focusing on it. And they'll look at all the problems and habitual sins and bad habits and and. Uh, their, their past life, and they'll just look at that and all the temptations, and they go, okay, I have to overcome this. I have to deny this. Don't do that. Don't do that. And they keep focusing on it. Now, they have good intentions. They're trying to overcome it, but their focus is on that. Notice in the verse, in order to overcome the lust of the flesh, you walk in the Spirit. You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. You listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. And as long as you are walking in the Spirit... You'll see it in verse 18, led of the Spirit. If you're submitting to Him, then you don't need to worry about your flesh taking over because you're letting Him make the decisions and not you. All right? So verse number 17, oh, forgive me, let, let me cover this just quickly. Walking in the Spirit, let me give you a couple of synonyms for how you'll identify this elsewhere in the Bible. To walk in the Spirit means to submit to Him. All right? I take my dog on a walk every morning, try to, and, and, and at first the dog was walking me. Any of you struggle with that? I had to watch some videos and ask for some advice from a couple of you even and say, how, how do you get this dog to obey? Because it just kept running off and, and, you know, pulling me down the road. Whew, that was embarrassing, let alone painful a few times. But now when we walk out the gate, Norma, our dog, she knows when I say, by me, she's right there by my side. She is in submission to me. And she is, not, she is not walking me, I'm walking her. We shouldn't be walking the Spirit, the Spirit's walking us. Does that make sense? He says to us, you want to go for a walk? <laughs> and then we let him decide where and when and how fast and all the particulars is up to him. So the Holy Spirit moves and we are mindful of that. We're paying attention, we're focused on that. We're sensitive to that. And we say, okay, I, I see the Spirit moving this way. So then we walk in the Spirit. Think of Him as casting a big shadow. 
Think of it like that, right? He's walking. There's the shadow. I'm going to stay right in his shadow. Does that make sense? So if he's moving, what do I need to do? I need to move alongside him. I need to move with him. That's walking in the Spirit. So submitting to God. James chapter 4, submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the Bible talks about submitting. In another place, uh, turn in your Bible to Romans 6, you'll see the word yielding, yielding. Romans 6, and let's get verse 11. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. The Bible says here, likewise... Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. All right? Let me ask you a question tonight, folks. If you're saved, right? You saved folks that are in the church tonight. Are you dead unto sin? How many of you think you're dead unto sin? Okay. How many of you are not dead unto sin? <laughs> Same hands went up. You tricky guys. You, you are dead. If you're saved, you are dead unto sin. That is a doctrinal fact, right? When God looks at you, that's how he sees you. When you look at you, you see a different picture. When I look in the mirror, I, I look at it and go, okay, God said you're dead. Then my flesh talks right back at me and says, but you don't look dead. <laughs> Why are you talking to yourself if you're dead? <laughs> Why are you hungry? Why do you want breakfast if you're dead? <laughs> and I have conversations with this dead guy. But God said he's dead. I am, I am, I am crucified with Christ. I am. See, it's dead. That's a doctrinal fact. That's, his, that's what we call your standing. Your standing before God is you're dead unto sin. Now in verse 11, Paul says, count that to be your everyday practical truth. It is a doctrinal truth, but make that your outward, practical, living in that truth. Verse 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You getting saved is you putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are counting that the blood he shed on the cross is enough to wash away your sins. That's salvation. The Holy Spirit then comes in. And once he comes in, he begins to lead you. He begins to teach you and direct you and guide you. You must yield to that. You must submit to that. You must stay lockstep with Him, walking in that, if you want to experience the full benefit of having the Holy Spirit. If you do not obey, yield, submit, etc., you're not going to see fruit. You will see, you will see God's love manifested in a different way. He will beat you. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I, I know that's a bit harsh language, so let me give you the biblical language for that. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. Scourgeth. You, you might want to go back to the word beat. <laughs> scourgeth every son whom he receives. So this is part of being in God's family. If you submit, there's a blessing. If you don't submit, you're still in his family, but there's a beating. It's a blessing or a beating. 
right? You can decide there. So you can see the yielding. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse number 4. Here's another way to think about it, to be minded. Romans 8, verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There are plenty of Christians today, they're saved, but they don't enjoy their life with God. They don't find that fulfilling and they don't have peace in their heart. And the reason for that is, is because just, just receiving Jesus does not bring forth the fruit of love, joy, peace. There has to be yielding in between there. There has to be a, cha- a renewing of the mind to say, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to do it the way I think best, but not my will, thine be done. There has to be that moment. Now, before we leave Romans, I'm going to read in Romans 7 with you, and then we're going to go back to Galatians. All right, so look at Romans 7 just quickly. And let's start reading in verse number 14. And I want to introduce to you here the two natures that every believer has. Before you get saved, you have one nature. We call it different things. The Adamic nature, the sinful nature, the fallen nature, depraved nature. You put whatever word you want on that. But once you get saved, you have a new nature. It did not do away with the old one. The old one is still there, but you now have a new nature. You have somebody else inside. Right? Now, you're going to see that expressed in this, in this part of Scripture. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. Now, watch the language. Paul says, but I... What's the next word? Am. I am carnal, sold under sin. Here's Paul. He's been saved for about 20 years. And he says, I am carnal. He didn't say I was. He said, I am. Why? Paul still has a sinful nature. There's still part of him that is sold under sin. So verse 15, he says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Now, I don't know about you, but that expresses my life very well there. I I could make a bumper sticker out of that. (laughs) Verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Nothing wrong with what God told me to do. The problem is me. I can't keep what he told me to do. Verse 17, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Even though you're saved, you still, still have a sinful nature. Paul refers to it just as sin. In verse 18, for I know that in me, Now watch what he does here. That is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. It was very smart to put the parentheses there. Read the verse without the parentheses. For I know that in me dwelleth no good thing. That's not true. I got Jesus living in here. Man, I can't say that. I got something really good dwelling in here. Now, he had to narrow it down in order to make sense of this. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. So as long as I have this human body, I have something that comes along with it. This is part of being one of the sons of Adam. Hence we call it the Adamic nature. I have a propensity. I am inclined towards sin. I'm bent that way. See? 
Now, when the Holy Spirit comes in, now I have a fighting chance to not fall into sin every time I'm tempted. So look at the rest of the verse. Verse 18, he says, For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law. that Now law as in like the law of gravity or the law of averages. He said this is how it often works out. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Here's Paul, maybe the best Christian to ever live, and he said, I have found something that always happens to me. It's a law, just like gravity. He said, as soon as I try to do something good, there's something evil right there with me. What's that evil? It's your sinful nature. It's your flesh. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Think of your heart as a throne. And every day, maybe every moment even, we can say that there are two viable entities fighting to sit on the throne. It's your old carnal fleshly nature and the Holy Spirit, the new nature trying to sit on that throne. It all depends on who you yield to. That, that one will sit on the throne. In verse number 24, Oh, wretched man that I am! Exclamation mark. He's really punching that point home. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Do you see that Paul has made it very clear in every believer there are two natures. Part of you loves God and wants to do right. Part of you hates God and wants to do wrong. Now you can just say amen right there because that's true for every saved person. You can deny it all you want, but we'll ask your wife when, when you can go home and she'll tell us the truth. There's a part of you that hates God. There's a part of you that doesn't want to sit here in the heat listening to a Bible lesson. But then there's part of you that had no problem at all coming here, knowing that it would be hot. I'm going to get fed tonight. And even through the sermon, through the lesson, you probably get a bit of that. Your mind starts to trail off and start thinking about something that you want to think about. Oh, but I'm not here for that. Rugby, go out. Rugby, go out. Okay. <laughs> Bible, Bible, Bible. <laughs> That's just being human. You're not being backslidden or wicked. That's just human. And we have to constantly deal with that battle between the two natures. And the only way you're going to win that battle is to consistently yield to the Spirit. And when you do, the fruit will come. But it doesn't automatically happen just because you got saved. Do you see why people would get frustrated? Well, I've received Jesus, so why am I still struggling with sin? Because receiving Jesus doesn't automatically stop all your sin. Receiving Jesus gives you a fighting chance because now he's inside saying, I will help you overcome that sin. But you have to be cooperative. <laughs> All right, come back to Galatians 5. Now he's in you, make no mistake. He'll, he's in you, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. But how many of you remember this verse? Ephesians 4, verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Don't grieve him. You say, what happens if I don't submit, I don't yield, I don't obey? 
then what happens? You're going to be miserable. Miserable. Because he is in there. Listen, if he wanted to, he could just leave, right? If, if that was part of the plan, he could just say, I'm tired of your disobedience, I'm leaving. But he doesn't. He stays in there grieved. And you can feel it. You can feel it. Galatians 5, let's get verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Right? That means the flesh wants things that the spirit doesn't want. And the spirit against the flesh. Right? Flip the coin over, the same is true. God wants things that your flesh doesn't want. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. So one of the privileges that comes with getting saved is now you are able to be led by the Spirit. You're no longer trusting your good deeds and your ability to keep the law. You are trusting Jesus Christ to lead your life. See, So to be led of the Spirit, that indicates I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. I'm trusting Him to do the, the, the directing in my life. Now, as long as you're alive, you're going to deal with verse 17. Yes, the Holy Spirit's in there. You're led of the Spirit, but that doesn't guarantee you're going to yield to Him. So, so this actually helped me when I was a young Christian. I struggled, and maybe some of you have this same struggle. I would go home every night. I was in Bible school. I went home every night in tears. And I would sometimes get on my hands and knees in front of Christina and say, please just tell me I'm saved. Because I kept doubting if I, if I got saved right. Did I believe it correctly? Did I pray correctly? Am I, am I really saved? Do I truly believe or just half believe it? Oh man, I ran myself ragged with that. And then one day I was reading this verse and it clicked. The Holy Spirit said, hey, Mike, do you feel that battle inside of you? I said, yeah, I feel it. He said, one day you think you're saved, next day you think you're not. One day you're assured of it, next day you doubt it. I said, yeah, I feel that. He said, you can't have a battle without two sides. I never doubted my salvation before I got saved. You know why? There was nothing there to doubt. <laughs> there was no substance there. After I got saved, all of a sudden these doubts came in. You know why? Because the flesh is trying to hold me back. It doesn't want me to enjoy salvation. It wants me to get fed up with it so I can go back to my old life. But once that truth hit home, I realized the battle that's going on within me is evidence that I'm saved. I took Goliath's sword out of his hand and cut his head off. <laughs> Some of you get that reference. but <laughs> I took what the enemy was using against me and used it for me. This battle is never going to stop. Some people have illustrated it like this. You got two dogs within you. You got two dogs. One's flesh, one's spirit. Whichever dog you feed more is going to win the battle. But they're both going to make a lot of noise. They're, just, they're both going to yap, yap, yap. And listen, one's going to bother you towards God. The other one is going to bother you towards sin. And whichever one you want to win, you feed that one. You spend time with that one. You nurture that one. And that's the one that will dominate your life. Verse 19. Now, I'm going to move quickly through this. Forgive me. I'm not trying to pass by important stuff. But Paul is simply going to tell us if somebody is yielded to the flesh, this is what their life looks like. And if somebody's yielded to the Spirit, then that's what their life looks like. So let's move quickly through this. Verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. It's clear. Which are these. Adultery fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, 
idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. We would say, etc. Just anything that falls under this general category, this heading. Now, now watch how he finishes in verse 21. He says, Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you might look at that at first glance and go, Oh dear, if I submit to the flesh, I'm going to lose my salvation and I won't enter the kingdom of God. But watch carefully throughout the chapter. I'm just going to show you a few verses here. Verse 15 do you see in verse 15 where it says, but if ye bite and devour? Do you see the word ye, Y-E? That's yella. He's talking to yella. That's verse, look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see that? Look at the end of verse 17. So that ye cannot do the things that you would. Verse 18, but if ye be, do you see it's yella, 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 yella. In verse 21, it switches to hulla. Now, you've got to pick up on that. That's an important difference. He's, what he's saying is, guys, lost people act like this. They're never going to be in the kingdom of God. You are. One of the inheritances that we receive is that we will physically be in the kingdom of God one day. So we have no business acting like lost people. That's his point here. Now, verse 20, and forgive me, for time's sake, we could take a look at that in 1 Corinthians 6, and there's some other places that Paul does this, where he talks yella, 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 and then switches to hella when he's referring to lost people. So this is a, a very common thing for Paul to do. Uh, verse 22, he flips the coin over, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Whew, that's very similar to what we studied last week in 2 Peter. Add to your faith, right? Very similar. He says, against such there is no law. So if you're walking in the Spirit, you will automatically not be breaking the law. Verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Now notice he, still, he sticks with the they. is still hala. Because in verse 21, he referred to they that are lost... And then verse 24, here's the they that are saved. The lost people just follow their flesh. But they that are saved, your flesh is crucified. The affections and lust have been nailed to the cross. That is a doctrinal fact. You are dead unto sin. So what does he say in the next verse? You need to live like it. Look at it. If we live in the Spirit, notice he switches back to we, save people. Now, if we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. You were born again because the Holy Spirit came into you and joined you to Jesus. So you're alive in the Spirit. But now you need to walk like that. Do you see the progression here? There's a doctrinal truth in verse 24. Now live like it. You're dead unto sin, Romans 6. Reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin. Apply that truth. Do something with it. Verse 26, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another envying one another. So to sum up his thought on walking in the Spirit, stop thinking about yourself. He says it's not about you looking good. It's about you looking like Christ. 
It's about you serving others. You can come back to verse 13 for that. Brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So a man or woman who's walking in the Spirit, he's not constantly thinking, what am I getting out of this? He's happy that somebody else is getting something out of this. Now, the reason I wanted to cover these verses tonight is to bring to your attention that just because you have faith, it doesn't automatically lead to fruit. Let, let's finish this in, in Luke chapter 8, if you would, please. Come to Luke chapter 8. And while you find Luke 8, let me remind you of a couple of verses. Luke chapter 8, verse 14. The Bible says we're supposed to walk in the Spirit, yield to the Spirit, submit to God. How often? How often do you have to do that? Every day. You don't need to get saved every day, but you need to make a conscious decision every day, Lord, not my will, thine be done. So Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, I die daily. Every day he had to crucify that flesh. And he did that by saying, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I'm yours. The Bible says that we are renewed day by day. We have to re-up, not re-saved, but recommit. Lord, I'm going to make the effort today. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and deny himself daily. Let him take up his cross daily, deny himself and follow me. That's a daily commitment. In Luke chapter 8, look what happens here in verse number 14. Jesus is explaining this parable, and you guys are familiar with the parables here, the sower and the seed and the ground. In verse 14, And they which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to what? You see, the seed fell in, fruit started to come up, but they didn't continue on with it. This is a picture of somebody who gets saved learns a little bit, but never follows through. They do not make that continual daily commitment carrying the cross. And there's a little bit of fruit there, but the thorns overtook it. And now you look at it and you go, shame, what a waste. You have to keep up with the garden. You have to every day pull those weeds out and make sure that the ground, the ground, the heart is clean so that the seed can grow and the fruit will come. All right, amen. We've covered quite a bit. Let's go ahead and turn our attention now to